Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Three, two, one, go. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology teacher and a bodybuilding and powerlifting enthusiast and a traveling man. Yeah, man. Our, our Lonnie here is on the road, man, doing the show, so that's pretty cool. Actually, we're all we're all suffering in some way because uh, I'm, I'm sick today, and I believe Phil is now sick for a second time in the last yep. few weeks. Um, yeah, but we will anyway, not be denied. And Lonnie's breaking four state laws by driving and <laughs> doing a radio show and talking. As, about as we talk, he's got four state troopers on his tail. <laughs> <laughs> right, I just passed one, and I'm also eating and texting. Look at that, nice, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, and watching yeah. a movie on my laptop. Multitasking at his best. Anyway, no, Rob Fortress I'm not. I'm not. Rob Fortress Fortney here, uh, editor, lifter, former bodybuilder, powerlifter. And, uh, yeah, drinker of ginseng tea at the moment. Hey, and this is go. Phil Stevens. I'm the uh, founder of Strength Yield, com, LifterHope.org. I'm a power lifter and Highland Games athlete and, I guess, auto mechanic right now and self-prescribed doctor. I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night, so I can do a lot of stuff. <laughs> nice. <sighs> yeah, well, you know what, you guys, I wanted to talk training first. How, how, are, how is the lifting going, Rob? It, Yours is what's going okay despite your illness, isn't that so? Yeah, um, I was supposed to train yesterday, and I'm supposed to train tomorrow, but I'm I'm actually considering, I didn't do yesterday, and I might just blow off the whole week. And I don't, you know, if it's going to come at a time, it's probably the best time to come, because I've done probably, you know, 85% of my heavy lifting, and, um, you know, this week was going to be like a 65% week, um, and then next week is my last heavy, heavy I've done my, all my deadlift training, so I can't complain too much, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's a, you know, a few weeks before the meet, which is good, and it didn't come a few weeks ago when I was, you know, in the meat and potatoes of my heaviest, you know, part of my training. Uh, so, like I say, I yeah. can't complain too much because so many people have been sick for the last several weeks in my part of the, of the world here, and um, and like I say, if, if I don't get any sicker than I am, I'm a pretty lucky guy. So, you know, you just, and I'm a firm believer, as you guys know, and I've said on the show many times that when you are sick, you don't train for so many reasons. It's just, it's disrespectful of other people. It's, it's idiotic towards yourself. You know, that's a good point, Rob. <laughs> on this, on this trip, I stopped at a Starbucks on the turnpike here, and the girl who's getting my coffee has a productive cough. You know, like oh, a nice. wet, wet cough. I'm like, okay, can we get somebody else to, you know, pour my <laughs> coffee, please? Yeah. Damn. Okay. You yeah. know? Yeah, and that's that's my whole thing, right? Like I say, it doesn't do you any good anyway because it, it, in a lot of ways, if you think about it, it probably is going to be just detrimental to you. So specifically, if you're trying to peek out for a, a performance-based, you know, strength event, it's not going to help you because it's going to, you know, crush your immune system more. And, right. And so, you know, and just be make you even more catabolic so like i say i, I figure you know do damage control you know what i mean if, if it's as bad if this is as bad as going to be and i predict well, it probably you know that's right that's, well, just I don't let it get worse right? similar well early in december i was i was ill for about five days mm-hmm. and you know plus I, I was driving cross country for the holidays and everything and uh yeah you, you're just foolhardy at that point if you i mean if you go try to lift even if you've got the discipline to pull it off you're going to end up with some kind of overtraining syndrome or something, you know, or yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You're going to be in a bad way. Or yeah. worse than yeah. your illness. Or worse than your illness because then you're throwing all your recovery abilities, or at least part of it, to what you did to your training instead of well, yeah, fixing that's the illness. Sure. You know, yeah, Phil, so you, when, you when know, I was in high school, I had pneumonia. And, you know, it was like walking pneumonia. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, well, I'm going to keep lifting. Not a good idea. Yeah. You know, could all things – and, you know, you can't play with that. You know, and, no. But, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, to me, you know, the risk of making it worse, getting everybody else sick at the gym, and you know, having you know, ultimately your recovery time going to have to be that much more is 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 stupid when you, in the relative sense, when you're looking at, like I say, you take a few days or three, four days, whatever it is, 
you know, get your ass better. <laughs> you know what I and mean? And you know what, Rob? I, I was just going to say, I think a lot of guys now, uh, well, it's always been this way, get them to take two or three days off from training, uh, like to do a research project or, you know, to be a subject in a study or something like that. And it's amazing how many people actually have a hard time with what you're saying, you know, like taking three days off or something yeah. like that, you know, it's, it's almost yeah. impossible. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because, you know, my first, as with most of us, you know, in your first several years of training, you're so paranoid about missing a day, you know, you think, it's it's weird how you, and quite stupid how you, you know, when you're young like that and, you know, idiotic, you start thinking to yourself, well, you know, I'm going to miss a day or two, oh my God, and you start fretting about it, so, you know, and then when you, after you've trained for, you know, a, a lot of years, you really start getting getting the clue that, like I say, I mean, it, usually a day off here or there for whatever reason, usually nine times, even if the, even if the day off is not necessarily quote unquote justified, yeah. um, it, it's right. usually go, it usually works. <laughs> I mean, and all of us, I think, can, can speak to the truthfulness of this. It usually ends up working to your advantage in some way, like whether Phil's, like what Phil's saying as far as, you know, just bolstering your immune system or, or, you know, just bolstering your recovery. Yeah, or well, exercise is interesting in that light to moderate exercise will certainly boost your immune system, but heavy exercise, especially when you're under training stress, you know, and you try to add more to it, uh, or you're starting to get sick, right? Heavy training is going to actually hurt your immune system if, if you overdo it. Right. In fact, I want to, listeners, uh, I just, uh, they just ran an article on an overtraining case study over at T-Nation, uh, that I whipped up about, I don't know, eight weeks ago or something. So you could check that out, too, because this time of year, I think you should also ask yourself, why did I just catch that cold, you know? I mean, because of me driving back and forth across country and, you know, sort of moving residents and doing all these things, the semester starting and the, the book coming out and all this stuff, I think you got to realize you can lower your overtraining threshold, you know, with all this other life stress. So you just yeah, have to be and very I, careful and kind of say, why am I getting sick, you know? Well, it's amazing because I've had a I've had a history in the last several years of kind of always getting sick at Christmas. So the fact that it came after all the holidays is pretty interesting, <laughs> but still t very for me at least very telling because I I tend to get very stressed out around the holidays, uh, not for normal reasons like most people get stressed about buying presents and that. That's not my issue. Um, yeah. Mine is like for like for instance this year, you know, Sundays are my deadlift days, my two most important deadlift sessions have been the last two Sundays, and that just happens to have been Christmas Day and New Year's Day, yeah. you know, so I had nice. to find a gym that's over by, you know, the Toronto airport and stuff that was open that had, you know, the equipment I needed, and when you're throwing that on top of, you know, your family saying, oh, yeah, but you got to be over at this so-and-so's house for dinner on that day, and, you know, but you're, tr that's like right. I say, you're trying to ramp up for, like, like I said, my two heaviest deadlift sessions, um, you know, and when you factor in all those types of things and, you know, your work stress, and certainly I have some because I was actually um, a doorman at a club there on New Year's Eve, which um, for anybody out there who has ever done any sort of security doorman work knows that New Year's Eve is the <laughs> the pinnacle, pinnacle of buffoonery when it comes to uh, yeah. nightclubs yeah. and so forth. So, I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, I was I didn't even go to bed till probably 4 or 5 that morning. And then, of course, on the Sunday is when I had to do my, my heaviest, heaviest deadlift before my meet. So, yeah. you know, when I was tired and traveling halfway across the city and, you know, so when you factor all those things in, it's not, I'm not, that's why, that's why I'm saying I'm kind of like, I'm at peace with the fact that I got sick because <laughs> it's like, it was kind of bound to happen. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm just grateful that it's not worse than it is, you know. I figured you were going to tell us you had a severe phobia of Santa Claus or something. Uh, no. Then <laughs> like he doesn't want to view the contest photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try to get out of that. Um, speaking, no, my, my... Of, speaking of, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, my training's been going okay. I mean, I'm right on schedule. I'm taking this long, slow ride up to, to hitting those goals I had. And uh, deadlift, went in and deadlifted 585 for four singles and then one set of five all paused. Um, yes, Monday I hit 290 on bench for 11 pause reps. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that's nice. things, yeah, things are going well. No no shoulder pain, so that was the big thing on that. Ooh, yeah, that is a, that is a good thing, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's coming along aside from this little sickness, and then I'll take today. I might go in there and, like, do a couple leg extensions, leg curls, but nothing loaded that's going to, you know, knock me in the dirt anymore. Right, than I am. right. 
So, and he got you know what I did over over the course of the last week. In a way, it's sort of a deload. But after doing, you know, I was I started sort of my my second phase of powerlifting progressions. You know, with a little bit more calculated weight. And um, after a couple of weeks of that, I tweaked my hip doing mm-hmm. like a sumo deadlift. And I don't know why it just sort of popped out of place. I can't get it back in. I don't know. It's just irritating, but. So I figured, you know, I, I'll take the week since it's, like Rob was saying, I'm running my son around, you know, um, holiday, like, family stuff, and uh, it's interfering here and there. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'll, I'll actually revert and I'll do a bodybuilding week instead mm-hmm. of just, you know, the three powerlifting movements. And uh, it was kind of nice. You know, I just heavy leg presses and I was doing some cable, heavy cable rows for my back and that's nice because you can, I really got sore and you can sort of feel the mass building going on. You know what I mean? It's just a different kind of soreness. But, yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know what else, too? I wanted to say one thing. Rob mentioned that uh, when, when I was deadlifting. I don't know if he said this on or off air, but Rob said, find yourself a really knurled bar, you know, almost spiky. And there was one. Pep had one there at Bodybuilder's Gym. Uh, in Akron, Ohio, and I grabbed it, and I was deadlifting with it, and it wasn't just heavily knurled, it was um, large large gauge, you know, okay. I mean, it was really big around, and mm-hmm. I, I was deadlifting, uh, you know, and I've just got 315 on it, and I, that's where it starts to feel heavy for me, I know that's funny for you guys, but, and as I'm doing that, I'm just, my hands are just turning to hamburger. And I'm like, I don't understand. I've used a bar, like, you know, heavily knurled a bar before, but I've never really done deadlifts with one, you know. And mm-hmm. so I guess you just got to factor in you got hundreds of pounds on the bar, and it's just going to it's gonna slip your hand. And my hands are heavily calloused right now, too, so it was amazing to me. But, yeah, but it's interesting because, you know, if you're, if you're not used to deadlifting, the, the, the calluses that you normally would develop from, you know, the, the largest percentage of, of bodybuilding training, Will be different from the calluses yeah. you develop, develop from, you know, from heavy deadlift training, and, and you'll actually start. I mean, I'm sure everybody's different developing, you know, depending on their hand size and all that type of thing. But you know, if you look at the heavy deadlifters, I'm sure you'll see uh, calluses that are roughly in, in the same place. So almost where you can see where the bar straddles across the palm, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And yeah, if he feels nodding his head, you know, and and, and you, you can actually feel it. So you might have like, you know, re, in a relative sense, you might have like soft. Skin all around that area, and then you it, have this. No, you're like, right. This ridge you know, because I have the four, you know, the four calluses at the base of each finger. You know, those are so thick. I got to, you know, clip them back. But I still said something, uh, God, weeks ago about really grabbing the bar deep. You know, deeply when he deadlifts. Right. And yeah, yeah. yeah, the middle of my hand there, and I think that's good advice, especially for me because my hands are not very big. So the deeper I can kind of, you know, get my hand around that bar, the better. But, uh, yeah, no calluses there. <laughs> you know, it, 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 and, and the more you heavy deadlift, the more you realize that, uh, although it sounds obvious and kind of like, yeah, well, duh, the, the fact is you, you start really realizing how much your grip is paramount. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're just using straps and so forth, that's a different story. But, if, I mean, if you really want to develop, you know, um, comparable grip strength, you're actually, you know, pulling strength, which, of course, that's what you would ideally want, you want them both to match up, you, you, so you start to realize how, how imperative it, the grip is, and not just the strength of the grip, but like like how you grip it, like Phil's saying, like, you know, like, yeah. like, like how yeah. you grab the bar, it's not just like, anybody who's great at something, as we all know, doesn't just go and do something without any forethought towards all the little increments, uh, incremental variables that go into it. And one of the things that's been a real kind of eye-opener for me in the last year or two is just the grip thing. And like I say, not only just the overall grip strength of holding onto the bar, but just the, 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 the way you think how you grab the bar, which hand goes first, you know, like how you rotate it into it and pull it into your grip. It's, it, it's, it's very, very, I don't like to say very technical, but it's, it really, you have to put a, thought into it in the yeah. same way that you think about squatting, you know, how you get the bar just right on your traps or what, you know, you find that groove right. and where you put your hands. I mean, you know, I mean, anybody can go into the gym and lift, you know, 
average guy waits with just without thinking about these things. But as we all know, people who are one, great at what they do, um, you know, uh, there's there's thought given to every little nuance of what it they're is. They're logical. I mean, it's your connection to the weight. Yeah. Well, that's uh, what. And I, yeah. In the bench press, I've, I've been noticing that too. Where I put my hand and how much I I let my hands dorsiflex. You know, like you know, straight up and down versus letting the bar sag back a little bit. I mean, not just the, the width, but you know how flexed or uh, or uh, extended my wrist is. Um, God, it can mean the difference between grinding my shoulders and having a really sorry bench press versus it, it really feeling good. And I'm still sort of getting used to that because before it was always about the pectorals, and I didn't really care much about the grip, you know. But yeah, mm, yeah. Well, it certainly does give you a new appreciation for things. Yeah, when you. And to hear somebody like you, Lonnie, saying that, most of our listeners certainly probably haven't been lifting nearly as long as you. So it just goes to show you that no matter how, <coughs> and we're always saying this, but no matter how long you lift, you really do discover new avenues of improvement that you can make for yourself. And some of them will yield um, you know, more poundages <laughs> right there in that very workout. Right. Um, right. And, whereas some obviously are over you know several months or more. But the point being is that, you never stop learning. You never stop, um, you know, it, this sounds really cheesy probably, but, you know, they always talk about how you have to foster relationships, you know, your friendships, your family, your wife, your your children. You know, it's a constant evolution of, of, of you know, developing the relationship in, in different ways and, you know, deepening it. It's the same thing, and this is the, the cheesy part maybe perhaps comes in, but, you know, um, I'm just sucking on a lot of throat laws and cheer, so that's why I sound funny, but... Um, it, it really is the same type of thing, certainly in my, in my way of looking at things. Um, you have to develop your relationship with the weights, and it is a relationship, you know, um, and it's the great marker. You know, I was just talking to a guy yesterday. I was saying, you know, like the only variable that changes in weight training, unlike most competitive sports, is you because the weight's always the same. You know, 400 pounds is always 400 pounds. It'll be the same today, as it, you know, and it'll be the same 10 years from now. So the variable that only changes is you. So... There really has to become this really um, intimate kind of thing where you kind of really discover yourself, and through that, you kind of develop the relationship with the iron, you know. And and these are all the types of things that 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 go into that, like little things like how you just grab the bar, how you feel about grabbing the bar, you know, what kind of feel you want in your hand, where you place it, like you know, what hand goes first, what do you take the breath before your first left hand? Or I mean, it's all it sounds silly to probably people who don't know, but people who actually do engage in this stuff. They'll totally be be on board with what I'm saying here. I mean, all these little things have to be looked at. You all right there, Lonnie? Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, I thought maybe you skidded off into a, a dish oh, or something. Oh, oh. <laughs> He's doing donuts <laughs> in the interstate. Exactly. Anyway. No, I mean, I agree. And, I mean, I think that on the grip issue, I think it's it's huge. And it's people don't realize that your body will only pull as hard as your grip will allow. Um, you'll hit a point where your body just won't. If your grip's not hanging in, and if you don't have a good grip, you just won't pull any harder. It's yeah. Your body will shut it off. Yeah, it's almost like a defense mechanism. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm a big believer. The risk of notice was hello. I think Lonnie's going through a a dead zone. A dead zone. <clears throat> yeah. No, I mean I'm I'm a firm believer, and you you just don't. I don't like people picking up anything they can't hold on to. Um, and that's not saying I don't use straps. I will use straps, but um, that's to save my grip. It's not because I can't pick it up. Good um, point. It's because Very I do so point. much deadlifting stuff. I'll, I'll give my hands a break, but the, I've never lifted anything that I can't pick up. Absolutely. I've pulled, I've pulled I, 900 out of the rack, but I've done it with bare hands. Right. So. Well, yeah, because, I mean, interestingly enough, I, for most of my accessory back work, I use... Well, at least maybe fifty or sixty percent of the time, I might use straps on those things, yeah. pull downs, rows, any of those types of things. Um, but as with you, Phil, the exact same. It's not because I can't hold on to it. It's just because at that point, I've just picked up six hundred pounds, you know, and yeah. and I don't really need more grips and grip work at that point. Uh, exactly, and you get to a point where you just you'll tax your grip. It's like any other muscle group. You well, know, you got to give it a break. And I always find, and, and, and Phil, I don't know if it's the same with you, but I find that if I'm overtraining my grip, 
the easiest way I know that I'm overtraining it is that I start getting claw hands. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Where your hand starts getting really bunched up, yeah. and you're really finding it really, you know, and you're constantly having to, you know, when you outstretch your fingers, it just feels like you're working against resistance. Yeah. And you're like, okay, my grip is like, my grip is maximally taxed now. I should probably just back off for a few days kind of a thing. And that, yeah, that's when I will pull out the, the wrist straps, you know. Yeah. Now, do you want to, do you want to do our, uh, our, uh. Holiday contest? Yeah, with the big one here with, uh. For the new barbell, which is exactly, it, it was cool. a tough choice. We had about oh seven or eight entries, and uh, they were all great, all hilarious. Um, and we just, oh, I'm calling Lon, Lonnie back here. Sorry about that. <laughs> we're very, we're very organic here on Iron Radio. <laughs> I forgot it was going to ring. Hello, hello, we lost you. Yeah. Welcome. We thought you'd gotten a wreck or something, but you're okay. No, so. no thank goodness. You know the. Uh, I'm I'm heading well. I'm well outside of Chicago now, and in, in, into the boondock. So gotcha. coverage is going to be a crapshoot. Yeah. Well, right. this makes good radio, man. This this shows you that we're we're keeping it real here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, so I should not edit it out, right? <laughs> That's right. So, um, anyways, we're getting ready to announce the, the holiday contest for the uh, top fills holiday card. Do we still and, not, do we still not have the sound effects? No, man, that was on the old system. Ah, oh, yeah, we, we, need, uh, we need to get sound effects again somehow. I think we got them somewhere. It's just a matter of figuring them out. But um, <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> so the the top fill, top fills holiday card contest. Like I was saying, we had seven or eight entries. They were all great, and had to just bring it down to one. And which is always I, I'm gonna, which is always too bad because, like you said, man, most of them are really good, you know. And, yeah, exactly. And, and you always feel bad because you know if we if we ha- if we had our druthers here, guys, we'd. We'd give uh, you know a, a new brand new barbell to every damn one. To every so. entry, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I had to go in and choose, and I'm going to go with the Hudsons, Anna, Carl, and Benjamin. The uh, great card. If, if they give me permission, I'll post it up on Facebook so people can see it. It's, yeah, I, uh, think, I think that's a good idea because yeah, I mean we, we we should show what the winning entry was. Exactly, and it's it, it's uh, oh. A little disturbing, but it's good. You know, they were all they were all quite disturbing in their own way. So you guys all you guys all laid it out there literally. And, so you, you're uh, you're all twisted bastards, and we love it. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like us. So, so Anna, Carl, and Benjamin, um, drop me a line if you hear this. I'll also post it up there. I need to know where to send this thing. So you'll be getting a new fifteen hundred pound bell from Gill Athletic and Power Max. So. Thank you very much, and thanks to everybody for the entries. Yeah, congratulations, man. Uh, great stuff. And, and for all the you, you guys out there, you people, you girls, whatever, who always him and haw about our, our competitions here, as you can see, our, our prizes are becoming um, ever greater here. So so don't hesitate, man. The next time we have a competition, I mean, look at the kind of stuff that we're giving away here. I mean, hell, I want that damn barbell. But <laughs> so, you know, if, next time you hear something, Lonnie's been giving away great books and you know, barbells, and this is this is great stuff, man. So, you know, look forward to the next one. Uh, I, I guess we'll probably have another one in several weeks or so. So Yeah, should be good. Yeah. Is Lonnie still there? I don't know. Lonnie is still with us. <laughs> He's gone again. He's gone. Yeah, so, I, I, he'll be in and out, folks. So exactly. we, we, we apologize for... Uh, for the 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 ring tone that'll probably happen from time to time. Well, he was still connected. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, let's see what's going on here. Well, let's try that again. Yeah, we had a report. There's a lunatic driving down the highway on a radio show. <laughs> That's right. It's making, oh. it's making national news. They're hey, let's, oh, yeah. uh, let's get to the contest. Are we going to discuss that? We already did. Okay. <laughs> Where have you been? We already uh, did. You missed it. So, yeah. I'll no, tell we, you what, Ben. I just passed a sign that says, Wisconsin welcomes you. And right next to it, it said, after you die, you will meet God. <laughs> <laughs> there you so, go. That's what I'm trying not to do. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, we're getting ready to move to the topic of the day. So, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss a uh, interesting topic. All right.
Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Welcome back, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and we've got Phil Stevens and Rob Fortney, as always. And today's topic is going to be uh, sort of a locus of control issue, if you will, which is, you know, what motivates you? Um, or, you know, what's the source of your motivation? And a lot of things go into this sort of thing, of course, external versus internal, training with a partner versus alone. You know, what do you prefer? Uh, maybe the origins, you know, uh, of yourself in the sport. Uh, I, I actually wanted to start. Well, I was going to say, I was just going to start off quickly by saying, I also think it has something to do with uh, an element of, of success. Even if it's just small progressions as you're, you know, you're, you're learning new movements, your weights are going up or whatever, it doesn't have to necessarily be a competition. But I think an element of success sort of gets you hooked too and, and helps drive that locus of control to an internal one. You know. I think I think you're right there, and I think that's kind of where the people first get their problem, though. It's when that success runs dry, when that linear periodization that we all get as newbies of always adding weight. You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. almost every session we can go in and we can do more. Um, it's that first time that runs dry that people kind of lose that motivation a bit, and they're, they uh, that's when you better find some internal motivation. You've got to be doing this for you, I think, um, above all at that point, and. It takes some maturity to stick to it. Well, if I can add something to that just quickly is that sometimes it's hard to put your finger on that because a couple of episodes ago, um, we on our Psych Up episode, we had a guy on who's a regional level competitor. He, he's quite successful at the middleweight. And he, um, one of the things, one of his quotes that we offered was about how he, was, he didn't want to think anyone else was training harder than him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the surface, that says, well, that's external. He shouldn't be like that. You know, he's worried about what other guys are doing. But I think the way he stated that, though, I don't think there's any particular person that's motivating him. I just think there's this sort of um, uh, theoretical or what's the word I'm looking for, uh, yeah. metaphorical other guy yeah. that he doesn't want training harder than him. So in that kind of sense, you know, it, it can be a little nebulous. It can be a little bit of a gray area whether the uh, source of the motivation is internal or external. You know, and when I hear that, you know, I, certainly I, I relate to that 100% because there was a time where I was the same way when I wanted to be, you know, the guy that trains the hardest. But, you know, and now looking <coughs> back, I mean, there's no doubt that I was just a masochist for many years, you know. And, oh, yeah. and I mean, you any no one can, you can only train so hard, you know. So if you're just thinking to yourself, well, you know, I, I want to train harder than everybody, and I, I, I can't accept the fact that anybody's training harder than me. I mean, there's only so so far you can go with, you know, your intensity and stuff before it just becomes goofy. You know what I mean? And you're so at at some point you have to kind of come to peace with the, the whole concept of, you know, there's training all balls out as hard as you can, and there's training very intensely, but also within the parameters of being smart about what you're doing and not worrying so much about. You know, I mean, for for instance, how, how do you really gauge, I mean, a person's 
you know, how hard a person's training. You know what I mean? Like, it's, is it the guy that's yelling the longest, the most, the guy who's the longest in the gym, the guy who spends more, more hours in the gym, the guy who lifts more weight, less weight, more sets, less, you know what I mean? It's impossible to really have that kind of gauge. The quietest guy in the gym that nobody notices might, might be the most, you know, quote, quote, hardest trainer. Um, and certainly when I think of, you know, hardest trainer, for me at least, a factor that definitely informs that is the whole idea that, you know, who's the person that's been, is the most consistent? You know, who's the person who has the most integrity in their program? Who's a person I think that... along those lines, Rob, is, is strategy, too. Just like in powerlifting, I've been learning to leave a little bit in the tank, yeah. so to speak, with each set. Right. It's actually in bodybuilding, there's also a time to back off. I mean, when I was doing the sort of pre-breakfast walk uphill kind of cardio to get lean, that's not a time for intensity. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So... You're right. I mean, there's definitely a difference between training hard and training smart. Mm-hmm. And the smart and, guys yeah. do train hard, right? Yeah. And I think the guys who last the longest are the guys who um, have the motivation and the warrior spirit to actually inflict that kind of, you know, damn masochism on themselves, you know, in the early years. So it's kind of a kind of a, a double-edged blade, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Um but, you know, all of us who do last to a certain point, and that's because we are intrinsically motivated by something that's well beyond our external, um, certainly in the majority, you know, there's going to be those years where you're going to have to, I, and I think it's almost like a, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for, like, like, a, like a trial by fire. You know, when you're young, when you're, you know, 19, 20, 21, whatever it might be, that's usually the ages where people are kind of, we're talking about, especially young guys too, obviously, Um you know, you want to find out what you, you know, what you're worth. You know, what your metal is. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, how far you can push yourself. And there's a there there. I so I think, although I talk about you know, um, you know, a more advanced trainer trains smart and so forth. I think there's an element of the young guy who does have kind of that warrior spirit, where that is very vener- very advantageous for him in the long run and beneficial oh, because it teaches him. How far he can push himself, and, and just you know, you don't have to do it again. You know what I mean? There's yeah. like, I mean, there was a time I remember I did this thing, and I think I discussed it a couple of years ago on the show. You know, in high school, me and my friend at the time, we did this, something called Squat Mania. You know, we had this specific day, and we actually advertised it for ourselves with posters in the high school. It was stupid, but we drove, you know, we drove on a specific day to a gym clear across the city just for fun, and we had it. Squat mania, and the whole idea was just to squat and train legs for as long as possible. We were in that gym for several hours, and we, were, no, and it was so stupid. Like when I look back on, it, I think, my God, that was like, from a practical standpoint, that was completely ridiculous. Like it, it's, admirable on some level, you know, just, the, right? The but craziness I mean, of it, and that's what I'm saying. But I mean, the fact that I'm still recounting that tale, you know, <laughs> fifteen, twenty years after the fact. It, no, it, and it, I, you know, it shows. It, it, it kind of always stays with me. You know, what I did. And what I what I was capable of putting myself through, you know, and I, I don't ever have to, you know, re- revisit that madness, yeah. you know. Um, but it, it, the fact that I had those that experience and many others kind of similar, maybe not quite as ridiculous, but you know, it it kind of it kind of teaches you again. Going back to what I was saying, fifty even fifteen twenty minutes ago, it kind of in you know, it helps you evolve your relationship with the weights and. Knowing what you're capable of, you know, it's it's like that Clint Eastwood quote that I say all the time, right? Where he's in the Dirty Hair movie, he says a man's got to know his limitations. It's really good to not kind of know where you're, you know, where that odometer freaking just like speedometer, rather just kind of like you know bottoms out, you know. No, I agree, and I don't want to comment. Yeah, I don't. We we've talked about this several times. Like, how do you get advanced? How do you know when you're advanced? And this and that. And we always, you know, we always talk about if I knew then what I know now. Things like that, but I, I always wonder if yeah, I did a lot of dumb things when I first started out. But just like Rob said, it taught me a lot. Um, it taught me how to push myself, and you know now I know, luckily, that I can't do that on every set. But but I wouldn't know how to turn it on to to the extent that I do know without doing that. So I don't. I, I'm not sure that you can skip that those early stages of doing just balls out stupid stuff. Right. Right. And and just become advanced and start backing off. You By know, learning your to, limits, right? Yeah, you have to learn your limits, and now I know, you know, the limit I can give in a meet is totally different than the limit I'm going to give you in the gym, and I mean, and it's yeah. not because I can't bring that; it's because it'd be stupid to bring that all the time. Um, yeah. th- that's something you save up, and you know, we talk to advanced lifters all the time. You know, we got we got Windler on, who's now 
you know, very much into the, I want, he's not about going in and training, training all out. He wants to get the maximum out of as little effort as possible. Right. And that's a very advanced stage. I don't think you can skip from beginner to that because you're going to miss too much stuff in the middle. Yeah, it's almost um, like you, it's almost like you can't be a smart lifter until you've experienced being a kind of a, a kamikaze dumb lifter. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, because you do learn a lot in those days. Oh yeah. But um and I think Lonnie's right and it's it's those days kind of that do get you hooked. But uh, I think it's that transition area. Maybe it's we call it from from beginner to intermediate where it does get hard for people. And that's Well, let me you ask you guys this. Then wh- how does this relate to uh Going it alone versus having a training partner. You could always hear about the social aspect. Like in classic, like exercise science books, they'll talk about beginners really need the social aspect. Yeah. You know, and especially as we're heading into January, we know what's going to happen. Every listener out there is going to have to put up with noobs who pour out in, you know, in January because they're guilty over the holidays. And, uh, you know, they're all going to be gone or 90% of them anyway by Valentine's Day. Uh, so, what do you guys think about the social thing, Rob? You mentioned actually, go, you know, doing that with a buddy. Um, yeah. I've always been more of a lone lifter. I, I like other guys I know lifting at the same time. It sort of creates that, you know, environment like you might see in an old bodybuilding documentary or something. Uh, but what do you guys think about, yeah. you know, going it alone and how that plays into this whole I, motivation thing? I think we and we talked about training partners before. I think they can be the best thing in the world or a, a training group. They can also be the worst thing in the world. But, um, and it depends on the group you're with. You know, they can bring you up or they can bring you down. But, um, above all, I think personally that, um, the, the difference between the people that stick to it and the people that don't are the ones that truly are doing it for them. They're following a passion that is theirs. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I think everybody starts out. They're not really doing it all for them. You know, most of us are doing it for, external reasons you know i want to i want people to see me in a different way i want people you know i want to be able to kick this guy's butt i want to be able to do this or that and and then somewhere along the way you hit intermediate and you got to find the sect of this fitness industry that you really do enjoy or you're not going to stick to it because it has to be a passion for you it has to be something even when i'm in there kicking my butt and i'm having a bad day i go in and have a horrible training session it's still better than not training because I thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing, and I have a passion passion for it. Yeah. And I think that's the big difference. And, you know, my Saturdays are a great day. It's the day I do push it all out, and I've got a great group around me. But I can go out there if I have to, and I can give that effort by myself, too. Right, right. You know, you know I, I've, I've mentioned it before, and my, um, you know, the periods of my training where I've had a training partner are, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of the years that I've been doing it is relatively small. Um, I usually burn out training partners, but that's that's not blowing my own horn. It's just because I think what with Phil's saying, I I'm one of those you know rare trainers that you know I am so just committed to what I'm doing and what I want to do, and I love it so much that most people just kind of get you know engulfed by the flames of it and they can't handle it because they're much more wayward with their you know with, with their relationship with doing it and why they're doing it. It's not it's it's not so personal with them. Um, you know, training for me is personal. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it, I always say to people, it's, it's, it's religion for me. You know, it's, uh, it's something that goes beyond just the mechanics that go into the gym. I put a whole philosophy to it, a whole kind of spirituality to it. So, and I, I think, th- Rob, that's why some people are almost born, you know, they're drawn to it, like the old Tom Platt's quote, you know, uh, he was a calling, like a priest. I think there are some people who, whose personality, uh, almost points you in this direction. You know, there are people who are just born a little bit more warrior-like, uh, needing that outlet, or or maybe it's just a, a need for growth. Well, I, you, I know? Just, you know, just to interrupt you, I, I like what you say about the need for the outlet, because I think um, a, certainly a large part of where I'm coming from with that is, and I still don't really exactly know what it is. Um, I have an inkling of several different things that it might kind of tie in with, but... There is a certain element of having the outlet of it that is so important to me, you know, which is why I think I've developed such a personal relationship with Rob, because For me, I think if there's a single most important thing, it's higher purpose. I mean, if you've got a, a dreadful job, which I don't, I actually like my job, but, or, you know, 
a life that's average in other ways. Like my wife knows, she calls it the A word. She knows I hate the word average, you know. And training gives you that higher purpose. And I actually had a discussion with my son uh, just two days ago about how, you know, the nice thing about lifting, because he's lifting after school with some of his buddies, is you can continue to do that after high school, you know. I was explaining to him that chances are that a lot of the football guys that get all the attention right now in high school, once high school is done, they're not going to have many opportunities to continue to compete. It's certainly not at, with the, uh, the dedication right. and intensity they do now. But For the sure. gym offers you that. You can be 30, 40, 50, 60, and still crushing it. Yeah. And to me, yeah. that's a higher purpose. It's a, it's a, like you said, it really is spiritual. Uh, if not religious, it's certainly spiritual, higher purpose kind of stuff. It's the same thing the feeling I get with, you know, some of the science and the research that I do. I mean, I enjoy teaching classes during the day, but let's face it, we all look forward to that time of the day that, you know, we're just going to sort of go inside and to, again, quote Tom Platt, you know, mind in the muscle kind of thing, which is maybe one of the reasons I've always liked to train more or less alone is because I'm, I've, I've got headphones on, I've gone inside, I'm feeling a muscle, yeah. like when I'm doing bodybuilding stuff or... You know, when I squat, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere else. I've journeyed to somewhere else, and yeah. you, you, know, you know what I mean. And, and that's higher purpose. That's higher calling. And there's nothing uh, other than spiritual for me. Yeah. No, but, and, and I agree with you because you know I, I've always been the kind of person that doesn't actually mind being average, um, as long as there's something that I do that is not average. You know what I mean? I've always been the kind of person that always says everybody should find something, whatever it is. And strive to be way superior in that thing. Yes. It, oh, absolutely. It, I'm not saying be a megalomaniac. No, no, no. no Phil of course said not. something weeks ago that really stuck in my head. He, actually, it was months ago, I think, Phil. You said, when I do something, damn it, I'm going to be good. Yeah. And and maybe it's a little bit of arrogance. Maybe there's a little bit of arrogance mixed in with this need for outlet or growth because I'm the same way. There's no way I'm going to do something with my science or my lifting that's going to be half-assed. I am going yeah. to be a standout in some way, you know, and, uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, I think, think that's just core. Well, I think, that, I think uh, you know, we've talked many, many times about the need for balance in life, you know, and I think this yeah. kind of plays into this because what I was saying a couple minutes ago is basically the set, well, like when I really, you, you both said something that was kind of really made me think, you know, in, in 95% of my life, I'm an extraordinarily average guy. You know, it's almost like that quote in a movie I just saw recently where the guy's like, you know, I'm just a normal guy. No monuments are going to be erected in my name, you know, and soon enough after my <laughs> passing, you know, people will forget my name. I have no problem with that. I'm not one of these people. I don't have children. You know, a lot of people are like, I want children for somebody to carry on my name and my legacy. I'm not about that at all. I don't really give a rat's ass if I die and nobody remembers me two years later. It doesn't matter to me. Because I am pretty much an average guy in most of what I do, right? I don't have a grand, I'm not wealthy, financially wealthy. You know, I don't have a, you know, lineage to look forward to of a bunch of children. I don't have a big house and a, you know, I, I don't have any of those things. You know, well, I mean, and that doesn't, by the way, that doesn't mean that I'm not satisfied with most avenue parts of my life. The thing is, it's like, there's that balance, right? Because there's that one thing, for me, that's weight training. There's that one thing where I absolutely will not tolerate average. I yeah. will not tolerate anything less than, you know, the striving for <laughs> domination. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, but I think that's good because like you're saying, Lonnie, I think if somebody tries to be too good in everything, it be develops that megalomania, right? Like for you, sure. you, you got to be just the greatest at everything. Hey, man, I don't mind that, you know, uh, this guy over here is much better at, you know, this and this guy's, it doesn't bother me. It's and, like because I have my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I think it's important for most people to find something whatever it is yes. you know if it's collecting books i don't care what it is but i think it's but, rob i think it's a common thread you know specific to the the topic of uh you know bodybuilding and powerlifting i would almost guarantee that's the common thread of everybody who listens is because that's your ticket out of average mm -hmm. you know uh you can really excel and it's such a long path it's like perfection, you know, it's not like, a, you know, a, the Frankenstein novel or something, you know, like you, you, you can never fully achieve perfection, 
but you're, you know, there's a uh, attempt at it nonetheless. Uh, or even, you know, Buddhists think that way. Like nobody's, I don't think most people think they're going to attain Buddhahood, but they yeah. use the Buddha as an example, or a bodhisattva or what have you, as an yeah. example of perfection that they're going to strive for. And I think that's the very lure of it, lining up so many factors in your life, social, psychological, physical, dietary, I mean, all these things, and building it in a very slow way. It's like a child building blocks, but you're an adult, and you're building a life. And exactly, You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and this is the tool that allows you to continue to pursue that. It's just very attractive. And I, I mean, just to add a few things on, on both of those points, I think that's, that's the big thing that I push people to, and I agree with. I think the ones that stick to this, they are going to find the, the sect of this industry that they enjoy. I don't care if it's powerlifting, highland games, Olympic lifting, bodybuilding, distance running. If you're going to stick to it a long time and do it for you, you've got to find that passion, that part where you, you don't want to, you have to excel. It's just something in you that, you're driven to do it. Once you find that, you'll have no choice. You'll be in there training. You're going to yeah, enjoy that's it. That's good, right? You have um, no choice, right? Yeah. And then the other part that you just got to on the, you know, I think it's a difference between external motivation and external inspiration. You know, I have plenty of people that inspire me externally, but I, I don't need them to motivate me because I have my own internal motivation. I am inspired by people that, right. that lift better than me. Well, you know, but, so we're back to strategy there because you have a strategy, and that strategy might be, I'm going to take this music or I'm going to take this movie and let it fuel my next few workouts. Yeah. But you'd be surfing anyway without the, those waves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, it's, right. there's just bigger waves yeah. that you can take advantage of as part of your strategy. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, I would love to, you know, beat Constantine's 275 class deadlift record at 886. And that inspires me. I am inspired to do that. But my internal motivation right now is to beat my current ability. It's to get that much better every single day. And by 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 doing that, hell, I might do it. You know, you know if what? I it's just concentrate yeah. on making myself better five pounds at a time, you'll be amazed at how far you make it. Instead you know, of looking I at know. other people and saying, I'm not as strong as them, I'm not as good as them, who cares? Make you better than you and watch watch what happens in 10 years. You know what? Yeah. It's amazing that you said that because it's exactly what I was saying to some guy a week or two in the, go, in the gym. I was saying when you're chasing somebody else or chasing a record, you're essentially going to start chasing your own tail. However, if you always perform your best, be consistent towards <coughs> betterment of yourself, just like you're saying, Phil, you know, it's amazing. You will probably wind up at some point if not the best, certainly in probably the best company. Yep. You know, so you're chasing a record. I gotta get this 750. I gotta get this. You know what? Doesn't matter. You know what? Just concentrate on getting better, better, better. And like you say, Phil, two years from now, five years from now, eight years from now, you might be absolutely shocked at who you are. Yep. You might be the numero uno. And if not that, you might be challenging the, you know, the numero unos yep. for that title. And you're being like, Holy crap, what happened, you know? At one time I thought the be all end all was a seven fifty and now I'm going for an eight twenty five. You know what I mean? Like it's it's exactly. so it really is important. I mean it's it's nice and it's it's fun to fantasize, you know, in, in the in the in the moment and you know, what's the record, what's this and what's that. We all do that. I do that all the time. But ultimately, yeah, you have to kinda of look beyond that and be just like, listen, that's all well and good. I use it for inspiration, I watch these YouTube videos, I do this, I know that, whatever. The bottom line is today I have to do this, you know, and in order to even consider being there, I have to do this today and then that next week and that the week after. And like, and like I say, time goes by. No matter what you do, time doesn't stop for anybody. So you know what? If you're working towards it, time's going by, you're adding pounds, you're adding whatever it is. Like I said, the company you're going to be in at some point, more likely than not, is going to be pretty exceptional, you know? You know, Rob, we used to do that in, like, well, I did in martial arts class. Um, you know, you'd watch someone come, and they'd be very highly motivated, and three months later, they're gone. And then some people might make it six months or a year, and they're gone, you know. And so few people stuck with it and for six years. In my school, that was what required it, you know, to attain black belt status, your first don, probationary first don status. But the point being is the belt system allows you to 
judge it's like in a video game you're leveling up you know and with weight training it's a little bit different or bodybuilding it's probably even more nebulous still unless you've got a weight class or something mm-hmm. but uh, you know that's the sort of uh, minimum time frame uh, and I know we've gone on about this before I mean for years and years all I wanted to do was be a finalist you know uh, at a hormonal disadvantage in regional level events and that happened and then, I mean, like you said, time went by, so all of a sudden I was in master's category, but that wasn't okay, so I had to compete in open <laughs> as well. But then my goal was, you know, to really push for uh, a top spot. And I did improve my placings this past year, you know, and so there's another milestone. Uh, and now I'm going to take a, a sort of a parallel path and do some power training just because I want to get to the point where, I feel like it, I'm not embarrassing that I can do a power meet, you know, or something like that. But, or look at you. Jesus, Rob, you've been training for decades, and I know you're even more than I am, but we're very gym-oriented in a lot of ways. Um, but you're just about to compete in the Canadian Nationals. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, and things- Bill's pulling 800 pounds off the floor. I mean, this is not a joke. No, it isn't a joke. 800 pounds in any manner is not a joke. And I'll tell you this much, man. I've always said, and I, I've taken great pride in this, you know, there's there's competitive lifters and there's gym lifters. And people will always naturally think, well, what that means is the gym lifters are the guys who never compete. I don't look at yeah. it like that. I look at it like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it, that's not necessarily true because I'm competing. I'm going to compete again, and I'm, you know, in a few. Like, I mean, so I plan to compete regularly now for the remainder of my, you know, career as it is. But I've always considered myself a gym lifter. No matter how many competitions I do, I will always, in my heart, be a gym lifter. You know, a gy- whatever you want to call it, a gym rat, whatever. You know, and I take great pride in that. You know what I mean? Because there's bodybuilders, as you know, Lonnie, that they they're trophy chasers. You know, they're they're uh, all that kind of thing, right? And that, but like the flex wheeler type, you know, the guy who's like, you know, when I'm done competing, I'll never step foot in a gym again. I mean, what the yeah, hell that is that? Compute. That I doesn't even compute. No, that's the, that's a good word. I because it doesn't compute with me either. I don't get that, and that's that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm a gym lifter, and I take great pride in that. You know, the goal is wonderful, and the goals are. Uh, you know, hit, hitting your goals is great because it's you know it's just a marker of where you are. But to me, everything is the training. I'm all about the training. You know, what I mean, and that's that's one of the reasons why I switched from bodybuilding, and not because I now hate bodybuilding. It has nothing to do with that. It's just that I had to kind of reassess myself and say, you know, all these extra elements that go into competitive bodybuilding, as it were, you know, is the, the, the tanning and the, the posing and the, and the, it, 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 it it takes away from the true love, the fire that I have, and the fire for what I have is the training. You know, it's not the meat. It's not the the pose and dias. It's not the, you know, the the, right. the cardio. It's it's training. I love to train. So to me, in, you know, when I did that assessment, I was like, all right. So what's the closest I can get in a competitive That's sense? That's funny you say that, Rob, because as we talk about motivation, I think my internal motivation has always been meat. You know, I'm a I'm not a big person. I don't think I'm a very small person, but I'm a medium sized person, and I've always been fascinated with manipulating my diet and my training to add more mass, you know. And now, right now, I'm actually doing something different, focusing on weight. But again, in the back of my mind, the ultimate goal is a thicker back. You know what I mean? I mean, no offense to Phil, that's one of the reasons I'm deadlifting. You know, I don't care if I'm if I'm doing, like, low rack pulls versus off the floor. I, I mean, I want to do both. Yeah. But, um, yeah, except for the squat. I've never really been uh, looking at the weights that I'm moving up and down that much. You know, if I could do 250 for a couple sets of a couple reps in the bench, uh, that'd be great. But I'd probably drift back and forth and do dumbbells and other stuff anyway. You know what I mean? It was all more about working up a, a sweat. Not so much a pump, but, you know, just power bodybuilding kind of examples like Dorian Yates. It's always been about that sort of quest, which is a little bit different from what you're saying. You know, and, and like, like Phil says, you got to pick what you're good at and what you yeah. like. So... Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, so I mean, and 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 all these things are all, all viable because I mean, you know, although that we have a lot of similarities between the three of us, and certainly we share a ton of similarities, I'm sure, with the majority of our, our brotherhood or our rare brotherhood. The fact remains is that we all have our little 
avenues that are really unique to our ourselves and you know it, it might be a lifetime of, of of doing what you do before you even start kind of having a really you know clear precise view of what it is like you I know said, Rob, I that's a great point when I advise when I advise students I actually tell them you think about your career like uh, choosing uh, your favorite food, you know, in a restaurant. You cannot pick your favorite food until you see what's on the menu. Yeah. And that's and that's why you got to try a little bit of these different things and see which one you're mostly inclined for. So. Yeah, and I think that's that can also be tough because I mean I I don't know I think it's I, I stated it as like the battle against the you shoulds and you want tos, and and usually. The, the thing that people are telling you you should do isn't the thing you really should be doing. Uh, you've got to figure out what you really want to do if you're going to find something that you really enjoy. I mean, if, if, if your passion is frickin' washing some guy's car and making it shine and polish and, and gleam like it's never before, then go for it. Who's to tell you that's a bad thing to do? You know, if, so if that's, I be interesting, a... that's interesting because I, I look at auto collectors and bodybuilders with great similarity. Yeah. You know, they both crimp and fret and polish over something that they objectify to a certain point that it's, you know, like bodybuilders, they still look at their legs like a fender on a car, yeah. you know. So I think that's a great analogy, actually. And, I mean, if I want to be a big, large man that can pick up huge amounts of weight, who's to tell me that's wrong? You know, sure, the other guy over there has a six-pack. He can run a 5K in this amount of time, but he's no better than me. You know, this is my yeah. this is my journey, you know. So, and that's what people need to find out. They need to figure out their journey and, and go for it and seek help getting there. You know, who, who cares what other people else want for, for you? you? Know, I know what you want for you. Right, right. <sighs> well, I'm going to say one last thing because I know we're just about out of time. Yeah. I think most listeners out there, you guys, you know that you, uh, if you're not already there, you are moving towards something very exceptional. And how can that not be? Motivating. How can that not grow the inner motivation or inner calling that you have? I mean, some of the guys on the Iron Radio Facebook page, you know, they're pulling 500 plus off the ground for a couple of reps, you know, uh, or they're clearly very heavily built and fairly lean, you know, which is why I put up that little folder for some physique and training shots, you know. So that's the kind of stuff. Damn, you guys, you are standouts and Adults just don't get many chances to do that. We're we're sort of uh, quietly told that you're you're done being motivated in any kind of athletic way with high school, and that's bullshit. Yep. So, I want to I want to read something just on get big. <laughs> I go on that forum. Um, a guy named Max B. Um, he responded to something because somebody was talking about Lane Norton squatting 600 pounds, and he was and he made a comment that he doesn't understand powerlifting. It's just stupid. This is what he says, because he's now he's because I respond to him. Now this is him responding to me. Okay, obviously you're a fugly fat powerlifter that started working out years ago to be ripped, muscular, and in shape to get girls, but couldn't do that for multiple reasons. So you figured maybe I can just lift heavy ass <laughs> weights one time, therefore still being able to lift, look like fat shit to normal people, but still feel like you have a purpose in life. I lift things up and put them down. I lift things up and I put them down. Life must suck for you if that is what you do. What do we live in the fucking Neanderthal times when it matters how strong you are to survive, to provide for your family, or you just want to impress people? Uh, anyway, so I, I only read this because it really profoundly – I mean, it doesn't bother me because I'm, I'm used to this kind of nonsense. But it really just hit me just how some people out there just are just so full of themselves and their own little avenue of life that whatever – like. And I'm also almost. I was almost, I was only spurred to say this by what you said, Phil, there a couple of minutes ago about, about you know if your purpose is to shine, that gleam the guy's car, you know, or to open a you know a, a fine auto detailing place or something. That who's to tell you that that's you know any less less or more than anything else? And that really spurred me to read this because I. It just really goes to show you. There's some people out there that are so arrogant and so full of themselves and so quite honestly uneducated and stupid. That they actually have that mentality. Yeah. I don't understand why you do that. 
Well, why would you run a marathon? Why, why would Lonnie have got, gone and gotten, you know, PhDs in, in, in all sorts of different things? Why would you, Phil, be going for, you know, your 800-pound deadlift? Why, why would anybody do anything? Yeah. You know, it's like, what is better or worse than anything? You know, some guy is saying, my ultimate goal is to, you know, uh, sell a painting at, at this art show. You know, it, it, it's just really highlights some people out there, and I'm saying this to our listeners very directly, don't let these fools... And there's a lot of them out there. Don't let these ignorant, arrogant fools ever distract or detract from what it is that matters to you. Because we live this life, and whatever your spiritual, religious um, stance is or not, the point being is that we all, at some point, cease to be, in at, at the very least, this incarnation of our existence. So whatever it is that makes you get up with a smile and go for it, you know, go for it. Don't let anybody ever make you feel badly about that. If I can offer some proof, Rob, when you said people, you know, they don't know what they're talking about, and, you know, like, let's say a listener gets slammed by someone like that. The reason I was laughing so heartily is because this guy, he's like, obviously you've never achieved anything, you know, you know, being ripped and huge. He's obviously never seen a picture of you when you were bodybuilding because you were all that and more. You were freaking huge and shredded. I mean, in, in our Iron Radio intro movie, you know, you are not playing games. And this guy, he assumes because he's not old enough or experienced enough or educated or whatever his deal is, and he passes judgment. So we were talking about that when I was discussing Bill Pearl. You know, uh, have respect for others as well as yourself. That's the class act. And that guys like that, unfortunately, they speak with great conviction like they know what's going on. They might even make you almost believe that their appraisal of you is right. But then you realize, again, like this buffoon, he's ripping on you that you've never been there, and all he would have to do is look at a picture. I can almost guarantee he's never come close to what you achieved in bodybuilding. So enough said. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the other great thing is if, if you truly are on that path that that you're you you're supposed to be on that you're meant for the, the buffoons like that it just, just won't matter anymore. You'll be able to ignore it. It, it won't matter. You, you will won't care what yes. they say. Yes, you will. You know, I get yep. it all the time. Yeah, you can pick up this much, but you can't do that. I don't care. Is the thing you, you don't get it, buddy? I don't care. You know, I'm glad you can do it, but. Eh. Yeah, and, and that really highlights the stupidity, too, when somebody says something like that. Well, you might be able to, uh, you know, run a marathon, but, but you, you can't, like, uh, you know, play basketball to save your life. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Like, it's like, <laughs> I mean, if you really want to go down that argument route, I mean, everybody the world over is horrifically, you know, <laughs> stilted yeah. in, in, in their ability to do anything because nobody can do it. It's just so stupid. It doesn't even almost bear um, exactly. talking about. Right. But, yeah, so... Uh, it was a good show, guys. We're out of time. Yeah. And and, and I think Lonnie's still uh, alive, right? I'm still alive. I'm approaching Madison, Wisconsin now. We've actually talked from the border all the way to Madison. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of new all record right. there. Anyway, so well, again, that's, that's our the holidays. again, our winner, Phil, say his name. Yeah, again. it was the Hudson family, Carl, Benjamin, and Anna. All right, so again, congratulations to that. You'll be getting your uh, barbell. Um and, uh, yeah, good stuff, guys. And, uh, awesome we'll, uh, on this first, first week of, uh, 2012. So we'll, uh, uh year four, right? Yeah. Year four of Iron Radio coming at you. Yeah. So again, thanks for all your continued support, people. Let the, get, get the word out and, uh, we'll, uh, see you next week. Happy New Year. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, 
and protein. You can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I've done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.